episode of Talking Movies. I'm one of your co-hosts, Rod Sonny. Surprised you didn't start laughing like our last episode. What do you mean? <laughs> like, the, like, like the Joker laugh. I'm uh, Sam. I'm Sam, uh, by the way. Yeah, I, I, um, I don't want to. I don't want to embarrass myself again. If I'm being completely honest, I cannot imitate even anything close to that Joaquin Phoenix laugh. Joaquin said that was like the hardest thing to do when he was preparing for that role. There are some crazy stories like the, all right, I guess, you know, (laughs) for people that are listening, um, we're talking about 2019's Joker and and yeah, like you, you, I'm sure you read the stories and stuff, right? Like when the, in the scene that's in the the comedy club where he's like laughing and the guy who was on stage thought there's some extra that was like being annoying and going over the top because the laugh was like so extreme. Did you read that story? No, I didn't read that. That's that's hilarious. like all these onset stories about people like not believing that that was the actual laugh that he was gonna go with and i remember like in the fir- first trailer for this movie like people are like what is that laugh like how does he even do how do you how do you manifest that out of your body like i don't he, understand he said that he's just spent so much time alone trying to craft that laugh mm-hmm. and once he feel like he had it he would call todd phillips over mm-hmm. and try to like audition it and mm-hmm. to him and to see how it sounded and even when he was doing it in front of todd phillips he would get embarrassed it's so weird like i can't it, it just doesn't feel real like it there's so much about this movie that doesn't feel like real and that's weird because it's like a grounded quote unquote comic book movie like mm. and, and it's let's just get into our thoughts i guess because we do have a lot to sort of discuss here so yeah we're talking about joker 2019 um, nominated for like 10 oscars won uh best uh best actor in a leading role as well as best achievement in score but was also nominated for best picture uh directing screenplay cinematography among many other craft categories um you know we've had comic book movies do well at the Oscars uh, in recent years. We had obviously Dark Knight winning Best Supporting Actor, as long as well as getting a lot of craft nominations. Um, Logan was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. That was the first superhero slash comic book movie that was adapted or nominated for screenplay or anything outside of the acting categories. Um, Black and Panther. Black Panther, yeah, in 2018, sort of setting the mold, I guess, for Joker. I think it received received somewhere between six and eight nominations, including Best Picture. But you know, it didn't lock up like the Best Director and stuff like that, and even Best mm-hmm. Editing, like this movie did. Um, this movie, I mean, this movie was the sort of real, true, I think, bursting onto the Oscar circuit, like as to how well comic book movies could do. I, I guess my question coming out of that is like, does that surprise you at all? Or were you kind of like expecting that based on like all the production stories and stuff and like the stills and whatnot that were coming out as we were gearing up for this thing? Yeah, it really did surprise me considering the fact that it is a comic book movie and, you know, Todd Phillips is, you know, his, I think this is like his first go around with an actual like drama grounded mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, for people that don't know, he did like the Hangover movies and stuff like that. Right. So I had that in mind on top of the fact that I think the I think the Academy does like Joaquin Phoenix, but the fact that it is a comic book movie with somebody who made like the Hangover, who, who created the Hangover movies was something that was surprising to me that I got all this acclaim on top of the fact that critics didn't really like it that much. Yeah, that was another big thing was like the critical reception to it. And we should certainly talk about that because like it premiered and, you know, we talked about A Star is Born a couple weeks ago. Warner Brothers had the same exact release strategy for this movie that it did for Star is Born. And when Warner Brothers did that, that's when I was like, oh, Warner is going for an awards play for this movie. They're not just thinking this is going to be a critical, I mean, sorry, a box office success, which mm-hmm. it was. It did over a billion dollars. and it sort of The proved- first R-rated movie to get a billion dollars. Exactly, exactly. So that's like proving to a certain segment of the film-going market and to studios and distributors that you can do an R-rated adaptation of something and it will still 
get the money that it deserves if people like it and people want to go see it because this mm-hmm. movie did it. I mean, this this is sort of setting a framework in so many different ways. But when when Warner Brothers announced that release strategy, people are like, especially you know. And I guess we can also, should we get into like the controversy now or should we talk about our thoughts a little bit first? Cause let's, guess, let's go thoughts first and then okay. go with the controversy. Okay. So, so I'll just, I'll just start, I'll just close this part of that thought by saying that when, when Warner Brothers said that we're going to give it the release strategy of Star is Born, meaning they went to Venice um, at the end of August, then they went to all the other festivals like Toronto and, and whatnot. Um, and then they had the same exact weekend release of the first weekend in October. Um, I was like, Oh, they're, they're pushing this thing for awards. They don't think it's just going to be a, a box office success. They think, this thing has a chance to be critical and uh, Oscar success. Um, it wasn't a critical success, but it was a success at the Oscars and it was su- success financially. Um, we, you and I had differing thoughts on this movie, mm-hmm. at least the first time we saw it. I've seen it. This is this was actually my fourth time watching it. Um, so I've seen it a few times because I bought the I bought it um, after it came out and I, I rewatched it. I, I think I saw it twice in theaters and I saw it once after I bought it. Um, but but I'll toss it to you first because I know you've. You've got an interesting relationship with this movie. Yeah, well, the first go around, I didn't really, I wasn't too hot on it. You know, I had I had a good time with it. Before I get into why I don't like the movie as much as like Raj does or like other fans of the movie do, or like how much they like it, but um, like it's it's how do I say this? <laughs> it's it's well acted. It's the craft behind it is great. Like like the score is fantastic. I'm, I'm glad that um Hilder won. Um, I think Lauren Sure did a fantastic job in the cinematography realm because he made fluorescent lighting look appealing in this movie. And like he made like the grip, the grit and the grime of Gotham City feel very realistic and like the tones and like the palette that he chose is all fantastic. Joaquin again, you know, did a great job. But the relationship I have with this movie is because of the fact that it is heavily influenced by some some of Scorsese's, you know, better known works like Taxi Driver or his lesser known works like uh, The King of Comedy. So going into it, I had this sentiment that Todd Phillips was just using that that space to, you know, in, inject a comic book movie into it just because of the fact that it could be like maybe a gimmick or maybe it could just be something that he, he perceived as fresh, but I had this really weird relationship with it because of that fact, but you know, it started off really well. You know, I was getting into it, you know, I getting introduced to this character, Arthur Fleck and the, the like the twists and turns that Todd Phillips applied to the character by giving him this like compulsive laughing disorder. That was like really, a really, really great choice for me making him like really skinny making him like a a, a would-be stand-up comic which is something that comes from the comic books like uh, he, he had all these elements like worked very well together in the first act but my biggest thing with it is two reasons i didn't like it as much as others did is because the second act for me felt a bit meandering and the third act especially the climax kind of just hand feeds the message to the audience members it kind of treats you like a child because he, i don't know it feels like Todd Phillips maybe thought that he couldn't really grasp it all the way through, so he had to inject that. You know, it's a it's a great sequence between Joaquin Phoenix and Robert De Niro, but he had to inject that dialogue, that final confrontation where Arthur kills. Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> Arthur kills Robert <laughs> De Niro's character Murray, and you know he, he has this spiel about how society is like garbage. The elitists are don't care about the poor people. Poor people are suffering. Nobody cares what's going on in the world. Everyone's confrontational, and it has all this going on. Like I could perceive that through the first two acts of the movie. You didn't really have to hand feed me that um, that message. So with the second act. 
you know, I mentioned the fact that this is heavily inspired by the taxi driver. So with ta the taxi driver in particular, Travis Bickle's character, or Travis Bickle, the character portrayed by Robert De Niro, he feels like a ticking time bomb. Like everything he chooses is like turning the screw. Like he goes out with this girl and she rejects him, turn the screw. He buys guns, turn the screw. He gets a mohawk, turn the screw. He starts to um, think about killing this pol politician, turn the screw. And it feels like he's going towards that explosion that we're waiting for in during the entire movie but with joker it feels like it's just stuff that's happening to arthur and not really something that's going towards joker like arthur feels like arthur until he becomes joker there's no slow progression from arthur to joker like it was with travis bickle and how he became like the taxi driver so i think that's why i didn't like it as much but i think i still think it's a solid movie i'm not like yeah. you know people are saying like it's like a masterpiece or like the critics are saying it's like you know an incel war cry or whatever it is but like it's like i have those issues with it you know no, I, I completely understand that. And I actually echo a lot of the same sentiments as you. And I'll sort of start with the positives. Obviously, Joaquin being the sort of standout of this. I mean, this performance is, is quite a transformation. It is incredible to see, you know, the weight that he lost. And we talked about the laugh already. But the, there's so much going on in this performance from the quiet, quiet nuance of it to then transitioning to that explosion at the end. It, it's, you know, it's such a perfectly delivered monologue, as terrifying as it is. But it does convey to you sort of what you know what the pits of humanity can be and do and that's that's a scary thing and joaquin conveys that in in such a effective degree um i also agree with you in the sort of crass back craft aspects of it um you know in particular larry Scher's uh, cinematography yeah which you mentioned um it's, it just looks absolutely incredible you 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 talked about the inspirations yes this is very very much derived from taxi driver which is one is in my top five or top 10 favorite movies of all time taxi driver is mm -hmm. um and also king of comedy which is another movie that i love another scorsese movie um uh, and Larry Scher and Todd Phillips sort of set the framework for this thing by very much hearkening back to the look of especially Taxi Driver, you know, the sort of noir uh, New York look. This is obviously shot in New York, Joker was um, in Brooklyn and sort of captures that same era, that same space, um, you know, 70s New York, this Joker movie takes place. It's capturing a lot of what Taxi Driver attempted to capture. So, you know, it's obviously going for that. And I think they pull it off to an effective degree, especially in the cinematography department, um, you know, Michael Chapman, who just passed away, who was the cinematographer of Taxi Driver, really set a sort of palette and a framework with the way that he shot that movie alongside Scorsese. And I think they do a good job of mimicking. It is mimicking, you know, and that, that I can see people discounting that I liked it because I like to say you don't see very many movies like those 70s Scorsese movies nowadays other than mm -hmm. Scorsese movies. And I like to be taken back to that time, to that era, to just be transported back to that that phase of cinema and that part of cinema that I really love. Um, and then Hilder, yeah, Hilder's score. I mean, this was probably my favorite. No, not probably. It definitely was my favorite score of last year. I still listen to the music, um, multiple different tracks from this music. Um, it's, you know, they, I listen to them on a pretty regular rotation. So, like, I, I absolutely love this score. From, from a craft aspect, it is just absolutely astounding what this movie is. And I think it's very deserving of the cinematography, the costume design, the makeup and hairstyling, all that stuff. It's very deserving of that um i agree that todd phillips is not a deft hand he's not you know he's not a nuanced hand of a director he's not gonna sort of 
imply what he's trying to say. He is going to hand feed it to you. And, and it is sort of most explicitly delivered in that final sequence, that explosion sequence where, where, um, yeah, where Joker basically explodes and, and goes off on, on Murray and delivers that whole monologue about, yeah, what, what society, what do you people are doing to society and all that sort of stuff. Um, where I disagree with you is the sort of turning of the screw that we saw in taxi driver. Mm-hmm. I think this movie does it from the get go. Um, there's, there's, and I, you know, I understand that he has that sort of jump from when he actually becomes, um, from when he, from when he becomes Arthur Fleck to when he becomes Joker. I, I do think that this movie is very much turning the screw though, because at the beginning of the movie, he's this guy who's beaten senseless by these kids. Mm-hmm. And then he sort of takes progressions and steps to become Joker because he starts doing things that are out of character. And some of it is in his head. Some of it is actually happening with the Zazie Beetz character, the stalking of her. Um, that is very much in his, you know, in his character. But then, you know, there's a sort of part of him that believes that he has a relationship with her and he starts acting differently. Parts of that stuff is real. He is actually acting differently in public. The only difference is she's not there. I'm also thinking of the sequence, the one weird sequence where Brian Tyree Henry just shows up in this movie as like <laughs> the records holder at the hospital. And right. he just like jacks the records and runs. Like that's not something that you would have seen or expected from that character from the one that we met at the beginning. I do agree that the leap from Arthur to Joker is a pretty big leap, but I'm disagreeing with you in that the progression is still there. It's just not as steady as Taxi Driver. And, you know, that is certainly attributed, I think, to Todd Phillips as a writer and as a director. Like I said, he's just not that talented a director and that talented a writer. But I think sort of what he was given, he did a very good job with this movie. And that sort of leads me to my overall thoughts. Is I, I really, really like this movie. And every single time I watched it, I actually like it more. I, I do agree with you that it does get a little bit slow and a little bit meandering in the middle. I think you could have chopped maybe about 15 minutes off of it, gotten mm-hmm. it under the two hour mark, and it would have worked much, much better. But I, I just think it's really effective atmospheric filmmaking. It, it's very good at putting you in a certain space making you unsettled in that space and then sort of um, unraveling this crazy violent um, climax from there. And and that climax sequence in particular is what really put the movie together for me because it's just so effective and so terrifying and so thrilling, which is a weird word to attribute to that violent of a sequence, but it, it just works so well from the sequence in the studio where he shoots Murray to the cop sequence. And like, I kind of wish that the movie had kind of finished with him get, because the sequence where he gets on top of the cop car and he pulls the blood and makes a smile on his face. Right. That's such a beautiful looking and such a sort of terrifyingly, hauntingly directed sequence. I wish the movie had just gone black from there and not given us that little two minute stint at the end in the hospital. But like, you know, that, that final 30 minutes outside that last two minutes is just so, so good that it really ties a neat bow on this movie for me. Let me ask you, even before this movie came out, you, you had high hopes for this movie, like one of your, you know, most look forward to movies of that year. Like, and I mentioned the fact that, you know, Todd Phillips is not known as to be, to be known as a dramatic director. And the fact that they're kind of making, uh, I guess, a definitive storyline with the Joker kind of ruins the character a bit, from my perspective, at least. I don't know. What did you see before this movie came out that made you so excited for it? Well, it was first off Joaquin Phoenix being attached to this thing. Uh, that was really the main sort of focus of it. But because I had grown so exhausted, quite frankly, of just your standard superhero and comic book fare, I was mm-hmm. just excited that this was giving us something different. And then, you know, from the trailer to like the screen test that Todd Phillips put out with the with Joaquin Phoenix becoming the Joker, that, that first thing that we got like multiple years before this movie even came out like everything that we saw leading up to this thing looked so good. Like that trailer is just spectacular from the, you know, it gives you a really good sense of the feel of Gotham, the look, the sort of tone that this movie is going for, where it's going to have certain elements of comedy. It's going to lean on that sort of Joker aspect of the character. 
but it is very much grounded in a disturbing reality. And that, that's, I mean, that's the kind of, we talked about it, I think it was last week, right? Where we talked about our, our interest in Fincher movies in the dark and the exploration of human psychology and whatnot. This sure. movie presented that to me and that got me very excited because it was a character that I loved from The Dark Knight um, and that I had read the comics of, which this movie took a little bit of inspiration from things like Killing Joke, but not a whole lot of inspiration. Um, but it sort of put that on the screen and manifested in a way that looked appealing to me, at least from the trailers. And then the movie actually capitalized on it when I went and saw it. We saw it together, actually. Yeah, we did. Um, did you <laughs> notice his name is Arthur Fleck? Mm-hmm. His, his name is A. Fleck mm-hmm. Affleck. Is that I on didn't, purpose? I, I don't think so. I, I, think, <laughs> I think that's just by chance. I, I think that's one of those things that DC fans like notice and they're like, oh my God, is this a nod? And I don't think it is. I think it's just by chance. Do you... <laughs> Did your perception of this movie change because of how it was so bashed by critics? So is, is this where we're going to get into the yeah. controversy yeah. and whatnot? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, let's get into that. Cause like, so I did a little bit of research today and sort of, yeah, we had this, there was this whole thing about this movie before it came out about, you know, what it was promoting. Was it promoting violence? Was it promoting a certain sensibility? And, and I think that, you know, DC fans, <laughs> let's be completely honest. Like they're not necessarily the best people, but they also <laughs> have it very tough sometimes they put themselves in that position some some dc fan especially the fanboys are like very intense very aggressive and and say inappropriate things online and attack people when they don't like their movies not all dc fans are like that i want to be clear on that because i was in a certain segment of that because of my love of the dark knight um and i communicate with a lot of people that are just as big fans of dark knight as i am that are not like that and i want to be clear that like that a lot of that fandom did carry over to this movie and generalizations are bad guys gener- exactly exactly <laughs> generalization bad. And, and so critic i mean this movie had a target on its back before it even came out like do you remember the conversations about this movie about like the, i mean be like copycats and like, you're copy, be like exactly a, the, the whole thing about the people like they had to set up like police like inspirations officers. yeah and like, because of like the aurora shooting from the exactly dark Rises. and so so this story from where i could trace it back from and i apologize that if like if i'm miss misquoting this or anything or if i'm misattributing it because maybe i just didn't get to the right point in terms of the research that i was doing but everything that i found like the research that i did it started with the news stories about what is this joker like the think pieces quote unquote what is this joker going to um inspire is it Mm -hmm. and then after that the aurora victims responded to that claim and i think the aurora victims response to that claim is fair i think it's completely fair because when you get that in your head especially after you go after that go into such a trauma or have experienced a traumatizing thing you're obviously going to react in a certain way to it and, and their reaction was completely justified but that story did sort of spring up from the media and then they blew it out of proportion because the entire thing became oh my god this movie is just a sort of like you said earlier like incels and whatnot like promoting them and giving them a sort of platform to think it's okay to incite violence after they've been knocked down by the world and and mm-hmm. first off like let me let me start by saying like we should not be knocking down anybody in the world so if you're thinking that it's promoting that sort of mindset i think you're part of the problem because you're probably knocking down these people that you're looking down upon and that, that's that's a that's first off kind of like a self-reflection kind of thing exactly and i think that a lot of i mean i've, I've expressed my frustration with a lot of film critics on this podcast already enough I don't, I don't <laughs> going down that rabbit hole but like i mean they do talk a lot they think they know more than everybody else and, and like it's frustrating because like there was this whole narrative paint around it and when you paint that sort of narrative around a movie those people are not especially the people that are so egotistical like that are not going to come out and reverse their statements after the fact um there are very few critics who i know who like you know who had read the script 
um, and like were bashing the movie beforehand. And like, there was actually a big segment of critics that were doing that. And only a few, like a very small portion of them, one being like Chris Evangelista, who I very much respect. I, I really like, I relate with his opinions. I respect his opinions because he's not sort of biased in a lot of that way, despite the fact that he does take part in some of the bashing before the movie comes he out. He just memes he, it sometimes. Exactly. He like, exactly. Sensational. Exactly. But like he, he reversed his claim. He actually really liked Joker. And I think that most critics are not going to do that. They're not going to sit there and bash a movie and then turn their opinions on it because they're so stuck in their own mind and they're, they're just not going to do it because it's for their, it's feeding their own ego if they do, if they don't do it. But the hysteria goes both ways too, because with the Mm -hmm. fans of the film, they're writing like these intense think pieces about it. They were like, bring, like they brought the the thesaurus to make it sound as, as intelligent as possible. They try to make it seem like the message, of the movie were as profound as anything we've ever seen before. They were proclaiming it as being a masterpiece or bashing people who didn't think it was a masterpiece and people were out of, going out of their way to like shame people for not thinking that this movie is like one of the greatest mm-hmm. pieces of cinema ever created. So mm-hmm. it's like it's like it's on both sides. No, I agree. Yeah. So that kind of, you know, tug and pull between both directions of you know, of the perception in the movie kind of influenced my perception of it because of the fact that I didn't want to agree with like the side that thinks it's a huge masterpiece that you, you should be shoved, shoved down everybody's throat. But I didn't <laughs> think either that the critics were correct in bashing this movie by saying that it's like, it's dangerous. It'll incite incels. It's something that people were copycat and whatever it is that they were saying, it was like, it was two sides mm-hmm. that were just like, complete odds but they were both at the most extremes and there was like it's very hard to have a level-headed conversation with this movie because of that fact this movie is sort of the epitome of online discussion in general because exactly what you're saying (laughs) it's like everything that's online nowadays it's one side or the other there's very little conversation or very little room for in between sort of discussion and you and i are sort of on the same page that even though i'm a little bit more positive on it than you are you're a little bit more uh, critical on it than i am mm. we both still fall like more in the middle than we do on either side of the spectrum like you know it, it sounds like we're, we would actually not give it that distant a score that would probably fall somewhere between like a seven and an eight or some, something like that or even like a 6.5 and an eight or something like that right you know a, a decent score a good score but it's not like it's not on one side of the spectrum saying it's an amazing masterpiece because it certainly is not. And I don't think it was worthy of the best picture nomination or the best director nomination, despite okay. the fact that I really like this movie. Um, that being said, I do not, I think it's a very effective comic book movie. And when you sort of put it amongst the ranks of the better comic book movies, I think it does sort of, you know, it competes more with the Logans and the Dark Knights than it does for me personally with like the uh, the, Avengers, the Avengers and <laughs> Suicide yeah, Squad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I mean, the well, Aquaman and Suicide Squad are a whole different side of the spectrum, but like something that falls in the middle for me, like in a, like in a Avengers or, or Endgame or whatever it may be. I, okay. I like this movie much more than that movie personally. Let, let me ask you this then: Do you think the perception of the public perception, because the most recently the Oscars, the Academy in general, have had issues like their the ratings mm. in recent times? Mm-hmm. Do you think the perception of this? Being such a popular comic book movie is why they gave it all these accolades so that people would tune in to see if they would win these awards i'm hesitant to go down that route because like i think we forget and it's easy to forget this because of sort of the the group think of the academy but like the Mm -hmm. academy is just it's filmmakers it's directors it's actors it's cinematographers it's makeup artists now it's agents it's agents (laughs) yeah like i mean you have to you have to go to extreme lengths to create that sort of swelling of a movie making it into the Oscars. Um, you have to go out of your way basically to make that happen. Like with that, 
wide a group of you know diverse people now like the the recent uh inductees of the academy includes people like michael b jordan and a lot of other people who are much more diverse than the academy was five years ago Mm -hmm. the group that nominated this movie is a much more diverse group than the group that would have like you know you would think would have helped green book win but it is actually a much more diverse group and i think that that's you know we it's it's so it's frustrating to me because like critics think they're the end-all be-all of opinion when really they're not the ones making the movies and i understand you could disagree with the oscars you and i disagree with the oscars but the people that are the the people that are awarding the oscars the people making these movies and that has to count for something right do you think it maybe is subconsciously at least like they would notice that you know Mm -hmm. we need people to tune in to watch this no i i'd lean more towards the idea of this movie was sort of propped up as an oscar sort of candidate by warner brothers and people were just like yeah this is a gritty superhero movie you have to nominate it for an oscar i would actually lean more towards that than i would like popularity well then let's go back to the movie besides the (laughs) the 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 controversy of this there's theories out there there are a couple of theories in regards to like this actual Joker not being the actual Joker okay. and somebody that inspires the Joker. Like even when the movie in and of itself, mm-hmm. one of the people who wear like the clown masks mm-hmm. kill Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne. Yep. And if you consider this Joker to be the actual Joker, that would mean that there is this guy who's approaching retirement age mm-hmm. fighting this like 20 something year old for the fate of Gotham. Do you, what's, what's your perception on that? Well, I think it lies outside of sort of traditional Batman narrative because Bruce Wayne, I mean, we meet Bruce Wayne in this movie and he's like 10 years old, right? Like he's like a little child in this Arthur Fleck characters. I assume somewhere in his, maybe, I would assume somewhere between like 35, 40. Yeah, exactly. 35 and 40. Exactly. So like, this is not the same. Uh, and I, you know, I think that's an interesting point that this movie makes is like, and this is some, you know, this is where the movie is actually, I think a pretty effective commentary on society. Like you said, like it has its sort of heavy handed versions of it and it has uh, (laughs) more deft and more nuanced versions of it. I think where it does sort of do it in an effective way is it it shows this uprising of these people following the support of somebody who is not a good person. And this movie, I don't think like, is it, it's fair to say, right. This movie is not painting Joker as the sort of protagonist, right. He's still an antagonist. He's like a, or he's he's not he's not the traditional protagonist in that like we're supposed to support him in his actions we're supposed to feel disgusted by the things that he does at the end right Joaquin said it himself that like he wanted Arthur Fleck to be somebody that people couldn't relate to okay. he wanted him to be somebody that could be seen as you know his Jacksons aren't unjustifiable exactly and he's he's an individual who is like deeply deeply troubled mm-hmm. like he's mentally ill he has all these other factors contributing to his mental illness on top of the fact that he's living in poverty. His mother is like someone who who else is somebody who's suffering from mental illness. Mm. But I don't think neither Todd Phillips nor Joaquin Phoenix or anybody involved in the production were trying to justify his actions or trying to portray this individual, this deeply disturbed individual in the most realistic sense possible. Which I think this movie does because to go back to your point, like there, you know, in the universe that this lives in, I assume that, there's probably not just one Joker. Maybe there's multiple Jokers. Like you're saying, he inspires somebody. And at the end of this movie, he's in a mental hospital. But that doesn't mean that the people that are outside, like everybody else that's outside that flip the co- police car over and stuff like that, they're still out there, right? Like mm-hmm. those are still people that are wearing the mask. So it's not like, it's not a, jo- Joker is not necessarily a person. Joker's an idea. Right, um, right. And it's like a sort of. Um, he was, the, what, what he, this is what Hawking said. He's like, Joker was somebody looking for a purpose that became a symbol. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, that's- exactly. And this is like, you know, this goes back to the conversation that we had about the Dark Knight and Gotham as a character and a lot of this Batman property and a lot of these uh, these comic these DC comic book properties. Gotham 
Gotham is an entity. Gotham is a character. Mm-hmm. And like the people of Gotham band behind one group or they band behind the other group. And they sort of, um, they base so much of their actions on the people of Gotham are, <laughs> I feel like they're sort of portrayed to be a little bit fragile because like they base so much on w- of what they do on the people that are in, you know, in the public eye, like a Bruce Wayne, like a Batman or like a Joker. And it's, it's interesting. Cause it is, that is a pretty, I think standard and effective commentary on society because we sort of, as people, we do sort of reflect our ideas based on what other people think and do. And so much of it has become cultish. I mean, we, we obviously know the society we live in today and in a terrible Trump led America, but like, that's, you know, it, it, it is sort of, I think reflecting those same ideas on us is like, there are so many people out there that find these people that are disgusting human beings like Arthur Fleck is in this movie. And for some reason, because there's some ideal that they latch onto, they follow, they uprise and they grow into this quote unquote movement. There is more controversy I wanted to touch on with this. And yeah. Mostly in regards to Todd Phillips. This movie is his, like such a quotes. This movie is such like a lava bed because like there's so much difficulty. Looks, to there's, 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 there's a lot of positives. There's a lot of negatives, mm. but like with Todd Phillips in particular, he has a lot of bunch of pull quotes in regards to this movie, and I think mm-hmm. it kind of put a target onto the back of like a lot of people yeah. for this movie. Yeah. So like 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 woke woke culture ruined the genre. Mm-hmm. He's trying to target far left critics of like he's pushing like this really weird rhetoric around the movie itself, and it kind of made people love to hate it because of that fact. And I don't know if that kind of I'm gonna continue this. He keeps saying this, but <laughs> it just kind of like even influenced your perception in any way. Was there a part of more of the quote? Um, let me see. It says, in an interview with Vanity Fair, the filmmaker opined about how, why he chose to move from broad comedy to something as dark as Joker tones that he right. just couldn't hang out with the current culture. He, mm-hmm. Quote, unquote, go try to be funny nowadays with yeah. this whole culture. I, rem- I remember unquote. all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phillips told VF, there were, quote, there were articles written about why comedies don't work anymore. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you why, because all the fucking funny guys are like, fuck this shit because I don't want to offend you, unquote. Yeah, and you know, like first off, Todd Phillips is part of the group of people. So that group of people <laughs> might very well be saying that like he is a comedic filmmaker first and foremost, and he probably hangs out with a lot of comedians and a lot of other comedic filmmakers. And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people are saying that, but uh, he should not be going out there and saying that because there is a way to do smart comedy that is not punching down to a certain degree, a, a certain type of people are, are, you know, commenting on woke culture or whatever it may be. And, you know, all, all sort of cultures and all sort of movements and whatever, whatever you want to call it, like they have their positives, they have their negatives, they have their bright spots, they have their dark spots. But for him to attribute like a sort of movement of comedy or the success or failure of comedy based on that, I, I don't agree with that at all. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, kind of. He, yeah. he definitely put a this movie already had a target on its back and he only made it bigger right <laughs> exactly me and roger just talking before we even started recording of the fact this movie came out last year like oh my god Parasite one year I almost won. one year to the day almost one Par- year to the day. parasite won best picture this year in march it's like seven months ago not even seven it months feels ago. like it's happened like a millennia ago oh my god it's ridiculous <laughs> and, and i feel do, like do so much want, of this you want to get into the yeah huh? well like about the oscars is that what you want to talk about yeah, yeah, I mean, this is the whole purpose we're having this segment. Yeah, kind I of mean, a segue into the, like the, to 20, the 20, 2020 Oscars. <laughs> the 2020 Oscars, I mean, 
it was a good Oscars. Like at the end of the day, there's certain things that I don't necessarily agree with. Like I still would have given the acting award to Adam Driver over Joaquin Phoenix. Thank you. But like, thank you. But like Parasite won, <laughs> Bong Joon Ho won. Like the Parasite. Did Taika is a Taika is an Oscar winner. Taika Taika is an Oscar winner. Laura Dern is an Oscar winner. Toy um, Story Four. Toy Story Four. There were so many good things that came out of the 2020 Oscars, and it was sort of a bright spot, I guess, in a rather bleak year, I guess. I don't know. And I think, yeah, also Roger Dickens went back-to-back. What, what happened? Roger Dickens went back-to-back for... Oh, yes, yeah, for 1917. I forgot about that. Dude, like, it's... Uh, uh, like, did you expect... Because I know we talked about our predictions and whatnot, and I, I just didn't expect the Academy to give director and picture to Parasite. I expected them only to give picture to Parasite, but you picked Bong for director. Did you actually believe that was going to happen, or was that sort of like a hopeful pick? It, it's... A little bit of both. It was more. <laughs> it was more hope than actual prediction. And I'm, just, yeah, I certainly hoped. I just assumed that Sam Mendes was going to get it because of the achievement that 1917 was, and because I, it was a war film. People, the Academy exactly. loves war movies. Exactly. I, but like, I, you know, if I could have like put all my like, like I, I would have, I would have put all my chips on on Bong Joon Ho just because I, I love that movie. Obviously, it's my number one movie of last Bro, year. Bro, I got so fucking happy when he went in. And you had that movie at, like your number eight. So like, that's, dude, it's eight out of eighty-five movies, Raj. Get I, off no, my no, back. No. I, I was, I was, I was having your back. I was saying like that was your number eight, and you still wanted him to win that much. Like that was a testament to how good that movie was. Well, he's such a genuine guy. I love him. He's such a exactly. you know, like he was like up on the stage telling how much he loved like Quentin Tarantino and Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. and how like the people in the in the audience like inspired him. Mm-hmm. He's such a, he's such a humble guy. Yeah. And I'm just so glad. Same with him and Guillermo del Toro. I had that same relationship with the both of them. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't like their movies as much as others did. Mm-hmm. But they're individuals themselves. Mm-hmm. We're like, I'm just so glad that they. Got exactly, and that, that's that's a little bit of testament to Taika as well, because like, uh, oh, Jordan Rabbit, yes. Jordan Rabbit yes. is not even close to my favorite Taika movie. Like, but Taika is one of my top three favorite filmmakers working today. Like with what we do in the shadows and up for the world. I just absolutely love Taika, and for him to be an Oscar winner, I don't care what the movies were. He could have been for Thor for all I care. Like, if Taika's an Oscar winner, I'll be happy about it. Well, not because he's an Oscar winner, he gets all the all the budget he wants. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And he's got like the next door movie. He's got the soccer movie. Like he's doing so much different stuff on top of all that. I will say one of the most busy people now because of that Oscar win. He's got star Wars. He's got the star Wars movie and the TV show. Like he's, I mean, he's He's working with FX with a couple of movies with Apple for a TV show. I I will, I will say Sam, Eight out of eighty-five is not as good as one out of one hundred and twenty. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> um, there no, it goes, guys. I'm, I'm, just, messing, I'm just messing with you. Uh, but I'm I gonna... still think I still think that um, uh, what was it? Avengers: Endgame should have been at least Best Picture and Best Director, mm. just because of the fact that the achievement of wrapping twenty-one movies in a ten-year span in a year where we had Game of Thrones, we had Star Wars. Mm. What was the other one that was like ended last year? There's three big ones at the last year, but but the fact that those you know kind of fell flat, Mm -hmm. and this one kind of hit those immense heights, especially with fans, I think that's why. And because of the fact that it beat like the it beat uh was it Avatar? Yeah, like high for the most box box office for highest box office of all time. Yeah, no, I don't love Avengers, but you know that's why Kevin Feige's gonna win an honorary Oscar in a few years because he's. Because he did have that achievement, so he's he's gonna get an Oscar. It's gonna be for complete. It's not gonna be for best picture. And I, I don't think Avengers was worthy of best picture. If I'm being completely honest with you. Well, we're disagreeing there. <laughs> um, how about best actress? That year was kind of contentious. Uh, Judy, right? Judy won Renee yeah. Zellweger. Um, I probably still would have given it to Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Um, who else was in there? Saoirse Ronan it's, was for Little Cynthia Women. Cynthia Erivo, mm-hmm. Ronan, Charlize Theron, Scarlett, and Renee Zellweger. I think uh, Renee would have been the bottom of the pack. For, I didn't see Harriet, so I can't speak to that one. 
Um, but it probably would have been Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, then Saoirse. Um, I probably would have given it to Saoirse actually first just because I've wanted her to win for like 10 years now and she just keeps getting nominated but can't win even though she's only like 25 years old, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I think Scarlett Johansson was far and away the best female performance of last year. I think you agree with me, right? Yeah, no, I was, I was, Marriage Story was my number three of last year. So yeah, like that's championing, right. it, championing it all the way. I was like saying best original screenplay. Mm-hmm. I was saying, you know, best actor, best actress. I wasn't saying best director because mm-hmm. he was going to get the writing credit. Sure, yeah. But for best director, yeah, Bong Joon Ho, obviously, because I'm I'm sad that Marriage Story only won for Laura Dern. I'm really happy that Laura Dern won, but I just feel like it deserves so much more than it got. What would you give it? So the actor, the actor, and the actress. The actor and the actress. I think screenplay screenplay went to Bong as well. So like yeah, I would I would yeah. I'm okay with screenplay going to Bong, but um actor and actress I think both. Uh, I mean that mo- movie is an actor's movie. It's an actor's showcase. Laura Dern, Scarlett Johansson, Adam Driver, even the supporting cast and like Ray Liotta and whatnot. Like right. so many good performances in that movie. I, I certainly would have given both the leads to the marriage story stars yeah this is actually a good year i'm looking at it right now because like hair love one toy mm-hmm. story one mm-hmm. deacons one mm-hmm. you picked i was um, like 23 for 24 i missed i missed bong as director yeah, that was the bong. only one yeah this and is if, actually I, if a... i if i had gone with my heart i would have gone perfect which kills me to this day <laughs> um i don't know i don't have any other tidbits to talk about joker or these oscars do you what about, what about uh, uh robert de niro what do you think of him in this movie oh um yeah he was great with the small, obviously... small screen time he got he got he both had irishman and joker this year and i'm <laughs> yeah. glad that he's like picking up the pace a bit in like his twilight years because the movie he's put out recently he's done the past some bad 10 years he's got yeah. some like grandpa movie that's coming out like this weekend actually which is supposed to be like a bomb but l- let's ignore that because yeah like you said he had irishman and joker last year um obviously that's being sort of an additional tie to king of comedy and taxi driver because robert right. yeah the star there you of go those movies and so they sort of closed the loop on that front end and here's the thing like I, f- I feel like this movie got a bad rap because it was paying homage to and it was inspired by taxi drivers and people thought it was like solely trying to just copy the framework of those movies and right. while it did mimic a lot of the framework like it- it's not fair for us to s- like commend certain movies for paying homage to certain directors and certain types of movies but knock this movie because the comic book movie trying to set itself in a martin scorsese universe like that's trying to flex the genre they're trying to do something with different with the genre and it, at the end of the day i respect that i don't know if you fall on different side than i do um no because i was i was saying when this movie came out, i was like it's very easy to call this like it's very dismissive to call this movie a dumbed down taxi driver yeah but because of the fact that it does have its own fresh takes and arthur fleck is not a, a direct you know relation to travis bickle mm-hmm. and because it's set in like gotham and you know you, you as you're saying it's trying to like expand the the genre in a sense i think that's why i didn't want to be dismissive about it but it sure. does have those moments where like i've seen this movie before and i've seen it better mm-hmm that's why I have that sentiment toward this movie. That's completely fair. If I had, do you have a score in mind? Cause we, I mentioned score earlier. I don't know if you have a score. I think I gave it three out of five on Letterboxd. That's okay. That's a little bit, I, I think I probably would give it, you know, it's, it's tough for me cause I usually do my scores out of 10. So I feel like I'd give well, then it, do it out of 10. Do it out of 10. I, I would give it a seven and a half out of 10. Okay. I gave, I, it, I gave it, I gave it a seven, a seven on IMDb. Exactly. So we were pretty close, even though we had a little bit of differing thoughts where our, scores are actually very close so we sort of agree on the a lot of aspects of this movie which we've talked about um so you know that it it is sort of again what we were talking about earlier is like there's no in between with movies especially like this that are trying to make a statement in some ways it's effective in some ways it's it's not um i'll toss it to you for closing thoughts and I'll, i'll just say for mine like i think this is a pretty good movie it's not deserving of all the Oscar recognition that it got, but it okay. is deserving of some Oscar recognition. I think Joaquin Phoenix was certainly deserving of winning Best Best Actor, although I would have rather 
Adam Driver win it. I think Joaquin Phoenix is certainly deserving. Um, like I said, the cinematography and the score, all the production design, I think all of that is good. And I think there are some incredible sequences in this movie. The the talk show sequence at the end, um, the sequence where where uh, Arthur shows up in uh, Zazie Beat's apartment and like, mm-hmm. that he, like sort of- Oh like, yeah, wait, let me ask you, do you think he killed her? I think so, yeah. I think he okay. did. Yeah, I, I, I lean towards that. Um, I mean, that whole sequence where he goes and then he, there's that, like, that booming Hilder score is playing and he goes over to his apartment and, and does the full transformation there. Like, I think that whole stretch, like, uh, let me, actually, let me just, let me backtrack a little bit. The whole stretch from when he shows up in Zazie Beat's apartment to the scene where he's on top of the car is really great. And the final two minutes just kind of ruins it a little bit for me. But if, it, if that final two minutes wasn't on there, it probably would have been like an eight out of 10 instead of a seven, 7.5 out of 10. I um, think that, that police sequence, I mean, is that, that sequence where he stands on top of the car and the music is, is so perfect. It's so good. It's so well-directed. Um, Todd Phillips shows promise here as a director. That being said, he continued to stick his foot in his own mouth during the release of this movie. And I in no way condone the sort of violence that this movie may have promoted. <laughs> let me, let me make that uh, very, very clear. Cause like there, you know, I feel like, I feel like a broken record because I just keep saying the same <laughs> things, but it's just like, I don't fall on the side of the extreme critics who are like, this movie's terrible. This movie is awful. This movie's bad for society. Cause I think that there is a lot of good with this movie. It's a well-made movie. I also don't fall on the side of the DC fanboys who are like, this is the greatest movie of all time. We should copy Joker and go out into society and attack people like the rich people. That's definitely not the way that we should be going. This is a well-made movie that has some parts of it that work very well, some parts of it that don't work very well. It's about a terrible, disgusting character. We see him do terrible, disgusting things. Some of those sequences are thrilling to see on the screen. That still means we can separate that from how disgusting and how terrible his actions are. Um, that's, I guess, where I'll close my thoughts on this movie. I'll, I'll just say, not enough Bill Camp. Nah, not enough Bill Camp. <laughs> and Shay, would, make, would you watch a duo, cop, a buddy cop duo yes, with Shay yes. Wiggum and Bill Camp? Oh my Relight god! Relate it right now. Oh my god! Put it on HBO. Two, I wish the, the, those two, like those two, and then um, do you remember in the post Steven Spielberg's movie with uh, who are the two? Um, Zach Woods and Jesse Plemons are the two like lawyers who come and help them at Tom Hanks's house. Do you remember uh, yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. would love to see a buddy duo with Zach Woods and Jesse Plemons because if you see Silicon Valley, you know Zach Woods is comedic genius, and Jesse Plemons can pretty much do anything. So, isn't there a comic book? movie coming out yeah through because of um what's his name directing the the batman with robert pattinson they're making uh, a matt prequel vaughn. matt vaughn oh yeah, yeah yeah the gotham the gotham prequel yeah yeah, yeah. yeah with like with like why don't you just put them in there shay wiggum shay wiggum would be good as like a gotham city cop right like i feel like so would bill camp <laughs> yeah they would both be perfectly cast in that i would be interesting to see because this i mean this is obviously separate from all the other dc properties let, let me actually close off by asking you this like, do you like what DC is doing now as they sort of expanded and are doing stuff that are standalone entities as opposed to tying together in a universe? I was about to mention the fact that because of the fact that this movie became so popular as it was, they're kind of doing the same thing that Marvel's doing with like Morbius and Venom. Mm-hmm. And we have this movie. I don't think that DC has as com- as a compelling and grounded character as Joker. Mm-hmm. We talked about this with with Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Mm-hmm. The reason that works though is because Batman is such a grounded, he's like he doesn't have superpowers. Mm-hmm. He's just a guy dressed in a bad suit beating the shit out of mentally ill people in Gotham. <laughs> but um, like I can't think off the, the only one I can think off the top of my head is somebody who's been overlooked because of Arnold Schwarzenegger and that's Mr. Freeze. Mm-hmm. Because Mr. Freeze, there was a movie that came out in the 90s yes. when I was a kid and I watched it during like the the run of like the Batman animated series. Mm-hmm. There was this movie that came out with Mr. Freeze being the main villain. And he made such an impression on me 
that it makes me sad that Mr. Freeze hasn't been such a huge figure in like mm. the live action adaptations of Batman. Him on top of Brainiac. And I'm glad we're getting a good Riddler now too. With the Paul Dano, it looks like at least a good good Riddler, like sort of a oh yeah, absolutely murder mystery, I'm, murder mystery I'm, maniac. I'm just happy that. Paul Dano is finally getting his due oh. as somebody like a, like a like a forefront character. Like he was a side character mm. in There Will Be Blood. He was like an indie character in uh, Swiss Army Man. Mm. He was a minor character in Prisoners, but in all of his roles, he's fantastic. And I'm really so. glad he's getting the spotlight in a Batman tentpole movie. I hope his next directorial effort gets the Oscar acclaim that Wildlife should have gotten. Yeah, but um, for Joker at least, yeah, you know, closing sol- thoughts. <laughs> solid movie. Mm. No justifiable ac- ac- acclaim for both mm. Joaquin and Hilder. Um, um, I think that when you're watching movies, just you know, do your best to make your own opinion. <laughs> do not get caught up in what the critics are saying, mm-hmm. what your friends are saying, what social media is saying. Just go watch this movie and make your own opinion. Don't be so sensational about it that it mm. turns other people off about this, whatever it is you're talking about, mm-hmm. but don't be bashing a movie that you don't like because of whatever reason or whatever agenda you have. I'm glad just, that we, just, oh, just watch them. Just, just watch a movie. Just watch the movie and make your own opinion. That's I'm, it. I'm glad that like, although we do have different thoughts in this movie, we still fall on the same page of like, there are certain parts of the, the press and the media and the lead up to this movie that were acceptable. Um, and there are certain parts of it that were just not acceptable. And uh, there's just so much conversation around there hasn't, I mean, obviously this year has not been as filled with movies as last year was even close to it, but like there's, I, I can't think of like another movie that might get the sort of conversation around it as this movie, just because of Good point. the sort of fronts this movie goes to and whatnot. I mean, like, like I said, like I, I understand like, you know, with, with the Aurora victims and whatnot, I understand their fear, their frustration and their sort of hesitation with this movie and saying like, you know, this could incite, but like, I also think that there's a certain extreme that we need to understand that like, if, if the media goes and reports these stories, that that's just as much pushing people to want to do that as, you know, the movie itself inciting that kind of violence. Like you just need to find, uh, what I'm trying to say is like, you need to find the right middle ground of like, don't blow it out of proportion, understand right. the risk, understand what comes with it. And the filmmakers need to do that as well. Like Warner brothers and, and Todd Phillips, they need to understand what they're making <laughs> and what it could do. Just don't let it get to that point. Let it be a movie like Sam is saying, and just go watch the movie. <laughs> right. And I'll a couple things, you know, go rewatch Chernobyl because Hilder scored that as well. Mm-hmm. And before Bill Camp becomes too old, have him play Hans Zimmer in a biopic. Uh, I've been saying that for like <laughs> 10 years now. So thank you for joining, joining the, the train. <laughs> um, but that'll bring us to a close for this episode. Thank you for joining us. Um, be sure to check out our show notes for resources on Black Lives Matter, places that you can donate, movies that you can watch. Um, Sam, where can people find you online? You can find me on my Twitter at Sam Zero So and on my Instagram at Sam Osorio, O-S-O-R-I-O. You can find me at RodSud236. Um, as always, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your friends and family. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, and all the other popular platforms. Uh, we'll be back with another busy news week and uh, some reviews as well for you guys. So come back and join us over the weekend.